0: Hello, welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Herdina Ozman, here with my friend and Chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daft today, Masachat Yoma, daft Lamedvet, page 32. As Ann and I were preparing this, we noted that the Khmer is spending an awful lot of time discussing this uh, chamish tevilot, right? The five, uh, uh, you know, immersions that the Kohen Gadol did into the mikveh, and the ten uh, kidushin, the ten times that the Kohen Gadol needed to wash his hands and his feet. And so this uh, stop continues that discussion. We'll talk a little bit more later about why we think maybe there is so much discussion on it. But we, we both sort of had this sense of like, wow, we've just been spending pages on this particular topic and not really sort of moving um, forward ahead. So here the Gemara, and again, in classic Gemara's fashion, for the amount of discussion that we've been having, we finally get to the actual source uh, for where this actually comes from. And so the Gemara quotes a rather long um, braisa here, um, which uh, I'll start from the beginning, right? Tanya, a Rabbi Yehuda, right? So Rabbi Yehuda says, Where do we know that we have these five to be lot and 10 kidushin? That the koin gadol immerses and sanctifies on Yom Kippur. Tamud Lamar because we have this Pasuk and here he quotes Pasuk from Vaikra, chapter 16, 16 verse 22 which talks about the kohen Gadol going into the Kaddish Kedoshim when he's wearing these white linen um, you know the white linen garments and needs to remove the ladle on the coal pan and this will be talked about a little bit more it says Uva Haron El a Ufashat day habat right that Aaron comes into the tent and takes off the linen clothing and he washes his flesh, right? Literally his flesh is basar in the water in this sacred place. And he puts on the clothing and he will go out and perform, right? Then he brings the Ola offering and the Ola, uh, his Ola and the olah of the people. Right from this, you learn that anybody who goes, from one avoda to another. But here it's talking about sort of avoda place. Like the Kohen Gadol goes from inside, right? Meaning uh, the holier part of the Beit Dash to an outside part, right? To so the courtyard, Ta'un Tevila requires immersion, right? Now the Brisa is going to quote a different source for this, and this is Rabbi Huran Nasiz. I'm a rabbi. Minayin Kohen Gadol mekadesh bo bayom. Right? So the same question here. Right. And here the pasuk is a uh, is a different pasuk. bad kodesh yobash. Right. And this pasuk, which is a pasuk um, also from Vayikra, from the same Perek, also from Perek Tad uh, from chapter 16. But this is verse four. And this pasuk is talking about the white linen garments that the Kohen Gadol wears for the Yom Kippur um, avoda when he goes inside to the kaddish kedoshim um and it's it's the avoda that comes after the tamid part of the service when the kohen gadol was was in the courtyard and was wearing the gold uh the gold clothing and so this pasuk says right uktana bad Kodesh bashu makni sebad yu al um uva avnid bad yahkor ubinnat sad bad yitznov, snow big day kodash heim um verachat pa'mai ulav sham Right. So it's saying here that the holy linen tunic he will put on and the linen, you know, pants, the breeches, he'll put on his flesh and the white linen satchel, you know, so he says, yeah, gird himself with and the light and the white with the with a linen turban, he'll cover his head. these are the big day Kodesh, right? These are like the sacred, the holy clothing. And he'll wash his flesh in the water and then put them on. Ha'lamadzad, shekola mishanameyavodalavodah. From here you learn that anywhere, uh then anytime again when you change from one service to another, right, you were tauntival, you require tibila. But omer, big day kota and when the pasuk says big day kotashame, that these are their holy clothing, hukash kola bigadim kulanza laza. So it links together all the clothing, right? That anytime. So the Gemara will explain later on what the brysa means from here, because these seems to be sort of uh, extra words here, and uh, they're going to learn a lot from this later on. And then the Brisa goes into sort of a sort of cheat sheet here, and this I actually was very interested in, sort of a cheat sheet of what are the five Avodot, sort of the five overall arching Avodot, even though in the Mishnah, the way it's laid out, it seems much longer, but the five Avodot that are sort of done uh, on, um, on Yom Kippur itself by the Kohen Gadol, and here they are. The avodot. Here are the five avodot, and what it's saying here is, it's it's sort of where he not all the details of or the granular piece of what happens in each avoda, but sort of the main categories. So the morning tamid, which the kohen gadol did in gold clothing, avodat hayom bevikdey lavan. Right, the avodah of the day that was done in white clothing. The kohen gadol's Ram and the ram of the people that was brought in gold clothing, kaf umechata the lavan. when he would remove the ladle and the coal pan from the kodush kadoshim, that was done in white clothing, tamid and then the korban tamid, which was done the afternoon korban tamid, which was done in the gold. And sort of before doing each part of these five parts of the avoda, that's when the kohen gadol would put himself. Uh, would put himself in the, the mikvah. Now, I'm not going to keep reading here, um, but then, you know, the Gemara goes on to sort of talk about um, how do we learn that for each Tavila it requires two kiddushin. Um, and, uh, you know, Rebbe, wh- where does Rebbe learn this from? And Rebbe Eliezer ben Chimel learns it from a Kalva Homer, like Rebbe Yehuda. Um, but it's interesting to sort of see, and later on the Gemara will get into a little bit more of a discussion about sort of analyzing these two different approaches of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi, and what does it mean? They're two different approaches. You know, why would you need, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the question, the big question is going to be, how do we know that you need tefillah when you're going from uh, Zahav to Lavan, right, when you're changing um, that type of clothing? And according to Rabbi, how do you know that you do tevila when you go from Lavan to Zahav? Because again, each of them, each of their proofs are bringing, Rabbi Huda's proof is when the Kohen Gadol goes from Lavan to Zahav. So the question therefore is, well, then why do you know do you need to Vela if you go Zahav to Lavan? Whereas Rebbe's is the inverse, right? Rebbe's example, his pasuk that he brings is when the Kohen Gadol goes from Zahav to Lavan. So then we have to figure out, well, according to Rebbe, then how do you know that you go from Lavan to Zahav? Um, so I, I appreciated this, Gemara, because I thought when it laid it out, as Hamish Avodot, it sort of really simplified everything that was going on. Whereas before, I felt like we were very bogged down in a lot of the details. And then when you read that section, we're like, oh, okay, this is like a pretty easy outline. I could memorize this and really remember very easily sort of what happens. And almost makes the Avodah of the day of Yom Kippur look um, very quick. Um, but you can also see that they're getting a little bit caught up in the big adin that it's not so obvious that just because you're doing Tevila one way, whether it's um, Lavan to Zahav or Zahav to Lavan, the inverse is not necessarily true, depending on which pasuk you're using, if you're Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi. um, And, you know, the Gemara really tries to spend a lot of time to sort of tease all of this out. Again, spending an extraordinary amount of time on this particular topic.
1: So I find the whole pageantry of the day is kind of perhaps most evident in this, in these shall we call them wardrobe changes, right? Because, because gold to white, white to gold, gold to white, white to gold, right? It's it's I don't know how many people could see this, right? It's then he's not in front of everybody. Not everybody is in a place where they could you know spot the kohen gadol from what we know of the physical construction of the Beit Hamikdash but but even so even just knowing that it's happening there's something kind of spectacular about first of all the gold which you know for the most part he's using the gold for the regular carbonate and then and then he's using the white because there's the purity of him kipper and like there's something so you know between the symbolism and the and the you know even even if you don't buy into symbolism per se it's just dramatic in that way uh this is also the source i think of you know, people, I know people who are, have a practice of not wearing gold, gold jewelry, right, on Yom Kippur, because we don't want to remind Hashem ever, on Yom Kippur, of, um, of the Egel HaZahab, the golden calf. But there's no qualms about the coin, Gadol wearing gold, because that is the Avoda, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a shiny thing for him to be doing, so to speak. Um. So I, I think that there's something, you know, kind of splendiferous about these, clothing changes. And then I think there's also something that's a very real rhythm of the day. And you say that the day may have passed more quickly. It may have felt like it was passing more quickly because of it, perhaps. But I think it also gave the day it's it's in really its own identity because, you know, 15, you know, whatever, 10, 10 hand washings and feet washings and five immersions over the course of time is, is a lot, right, in terms of as compared to a regular day. So... I do think it's a, a wonder that the Gemara spends as much time as it on, the, on this particular topic as it does. So, I wanted to explore a little bit. The Gemara really does the exploring, you know. It asks the questions: Where did they get this from to begin with? And I think that may shed light on why they're spending so much time on this. I'm a I'm now on the very bottom of a medallif. I'm about to go into my bed. I'm a Rabbi Yehuda. Where are these from, right? Where do they derive the fact that there's going to be five immersions and and ten sanctifications? The the view of Rabbi Huda is that we've got a verse, right? There's a verse in Vayikra that says specifically that Aharon Hakohen, Aaron went into the Ohol and he washed his flesh, and he did it in a Makom Kadosh, in a holy place. So, that, uh, so that's how you know that anybody who changes from one avodah to the other avodah requires tefillah, requires immersion, because Aaron Cohen did this in the in the Torah itself, right on the on the day of the miluim in on the va'yikra Yudchet, um not Yudchet the sorry chapter 16 ashke khan me big day lavan the big day za ha me big I have the big day lavan minayin. so the gemar says well that's fine if you want to talk about from white to gold but what about from gold to white where do you get the immersion for that so the Gemara says instead of saying uh and answer in the name of ribi uh, uh, the name of ribi Huda, it's just uh, uh, the school of Rabbi Yishmael. tan de Rabbi Yishmael, kal v'chomer. We have a logical inference here, meaning kava uh, For we've talked about this manner of reasoning before, right? The idea being that if we know that from white to gold he needs to dunk in the mikvah which is kind of going from the extraordinary special Yom Kippur clothing of the white to the regular Kohen Gadol clothing of the, of the gold. And why do I say that? Because he's not wearing the gold when he goes into the Kodesh Karashim, rather he's wearing the white when he goes into the Kodesh kodashim. So the, the logical inference is if he needs to dunk when he's putting on the gold clothing, then, which he doesn't wear in the Holy of Holies, then, shouldn't he certainly need to immerse before he puts on the white clothing to go into the Holy of Holies? And the logic is good because of course you want to be, you know, re-purified before going into the Holy of Holies. Uh, So, but what's interesting to me, and now I want to kind of move off the daf a bit uh, because we can read all the words here. There's a lot of the daf, this particular daf is not short, but the the issue here is, are we getting to these um, immersions and sanctifications via psukim via verses from which we derive the very fact that there was our own did it so now the koan guttle is going to do it for all generations or is this a logical thing from that we're going to arrive at our conclusions over what must be done because we can apply logic you know based on the one circumstance and infer from it to the next circumstance and you know this this goes on and on the question is can you the the gemara says well we can can we refute the Ka'av right? There's a big discussion about it. But I think that at the end of the day, this question of are we learning the avoda, the Yom Kippur worship from a model in the Torah, or are we learning it from the logic based on other details that we have from elsewhere is, uh, you know, an interesting conundrum. And also perhaps the reason, I don't know, the reason might be too strong of it, but, something a factor in the fact that this discussion about these immersions and sanctifications is still going on right all of this washing you know they they don't seem to have an an immediate obvious well that's how we know to do it and there's a therefore we have a discussion well how do we know to do it that's exactly what we're here to ask how do we know to do it we know to do it oh it's a pussock. wait a minute that doesn't tell us enough it's got to be a logical inference so putting it all together you can use both sure but the the point is that I think part of why they're discussing it is part of the why they're discussing it is because it's Yom Kippur and it's a special day and all. But I think part of why is because the derivation or how we arrive at this practice is not immediately clear. It's not a universally accepted point. So they have to kind of continue the discussion until we can get, you know, until we can really get done with it and say, okay, now we know, or we kind of know, or we'll accept that we've talked about it enough and we can move on.
0: Well, it's obvious it's not clear cut, as you said, because we've been spending so much time on it. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of things going on this stuff, right? It's giving us a Brisa, which is a source, which provides two different approaches, Rabbi Huda and Rabbi, for what the source of all this is. And then Amud Bet, in my mind, is sort of trying to use what principles of Limud are there for us to arrive to the conclusion of the five and the ten. So it wasn't just enough to quote the Tanitik source. But they're really trying to understand the underlying Midrash halacha principle of how, we, how did we arrive at these conclusions. And I'm always taken by, you know, sometimes we're just presented a braisa and a quotes a pasuk and the Gemara moves on. And where are the times where the Gemara really gets stuck on sort of, you know, exploring? How did they learn it? How did you get to this Midrash halacha? What principle did you actually invoke to learn it? Um, you know, and not just sort of allowing a Bryce that's sort of almost in a way get away with just like, oh, here's the puzzle and I'm hanging the halakha on that. Here, Ahmed Bet really wants to take into a deep dive to understand what is the framing principle that allows you to make this mood,
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. I th- look, Ahmed Bet really delves in quite as you say, a deep dive. Um and you know, look, everything I'm saying here is some measure of, of speculation, right? My question is, why are we still talking about it? Not with any grievance, you know, like it's it's lovely that we're still talking about it, but I find it to be unusual. So then my, my attempt at an answer is, You know, why would Chazal keep talking about something if they already had it resolved? And the answer is, well, they don't really have it resolved, because really what they're talking about, I think, is this bigger question of all these, you know, the issue of the limut itself and how they get there and not just the content. The details are known. We know five immersions. We know 10 hand and feet washings. We know that it's surrounding the clothing changes. You know, like they've got the day down pat and now we're going to talk about it still to figure out where it all comes from. I, you know, again, why do they why do they need to? I think they need to because they didn't, you know, if it was already at their fingertips, they wouldn't bother to suss it out. They would know and they would just tell us that's how and go on. Well,
0: that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about the stop in our Talking Tom and the Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank <music> you.